Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Our goal is to connect you with real people with real stories on how they think about bravery in the workplace and examples on how they have demonstrated bravery in the workplace, all with the goal of helping you do the same. I hope you have listened to our past podcast conversations. And if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to bebraveatwork.com, subscribe to our podcasts, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. Be on the lookout as well for my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, which is being published in September of 2020. I'm really excited to introduce our guest today. Brian Madden is the co-founder, chief operating officer, and executive vice president at Lexington Solutions, a wholly owned software development subsidiary of Boston Capital, which in itself is a leading real estate investment firm. Hello, Brian. Hi, Ed. How are you today? I'm doing well. And yourself? I am doing great. Thank you. So, Brian, I think our listeners would love to hear a little bit about your background. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So, in addition to the professional profile that you gave, I am also an avid fly fisherman. I am a father of two teenage girls, happily married, and also the owner of a four and a half year old golden retriever named Maisie. Wow. Also, uh, an avid runner. Had done some marathons in the past, uh, although I, I may be putting that behind me. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I think most of our listeners would be shocked to hear that you have two daughters and you're happily married. I don't know that those two, uh, you know, go together well. <laughs> well, we're putting it to the test. I'll tell you right now, under the quarantine for the epidemic that we're in. Yeah, it's a crazy time. It has crazy outcomes and requirements. And similarly, you know, I work from home now. My wife is at home. I I have two daughters as well. And one of my daughters lives at home. And so the three of us all switch rooms and move around based on the needs of the day. Right. So Brian, when you think about bravery in the workplace, and you have a long distinguished career, I think at Lexington Solutions, as well as a few other places. But you know, when you think about bravery in the workplace, what words or phrases do you think of? I think about risk. I think of bravery as as really putting yourself at risk for something that you believe in. And within the context of work, what's at risk is it could be your relationship with your boss, with your colleagues, with your subordinates, could be an opportunity for advancement or for a bonus or your job itself. I love that word risk. And it's not that I love that word, but you know, when I think about bravery in the workplace, risk oftentimes comes up as an influencer or a detractor. I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about risk when you think about it in the workplace. So if it's a relationship with a boss or a colleague, you know, what are you thinking about or talking about as it relates to bravery? Well, so at work, I think there are a few challenges that everybody faces. There's judgment. We're always being judged. And I think innately, uh, as human beings, we don't like to be judged. I, I think about that a lot, having teenage girls who are very finely tuned to judgment in the school environment. 
And I think it's the same thing at work. You're being judged on your performance at your role and working with others and so on. So there's judgment. There is the job itself that's at risk. And then there's the, the power and influence of the workplace environment. You have defined power structures that are typically written down in terms of an org chart. And you have these informal power structures based on different roles and relationships that are oftentimes hidden and not visible until you've really worked at a place for a while and gotten to know the people and those relationships. And you find out that so-and-so is somebody's brother or uncle or cousin or what have you. So you have these, these challenges at work that influence how you think about risk and what you're willing to risk when you think about being brave in the workplace. At the risk of putting two and two together, it sounds as though things like judgment, relationships, power structures, which are all kind of created by people in the workplace. And so I would say almost company culture is a huge influencer regarding somebody's ability to be brave in the workplace. Would you say that or is that a little bit about what you're thinking? Oh, absolutely. That reminds me of a book I read called Principles by Ray Dalio. He talks about establishing a culture of transparency where anybody anywhere in the hierarchy of the company is given permission to speak their mind. And that's going to make them a better better workplace, a better company, better performing. But that's not the case in all companies and probably most companies. There are the realities in most companies, I think, there are the realities of what we just talked about, these informal and formal power structures and a reluctance, I think, on the part of most employees to actually speak their mind about certain things because they're afraid of pushback or losing their job or losing an opportunity for advancement. Well, this is one of the areas that you know many of our guests have talked about, which is the influence to not being brave in the workplace is the likelihood that somebody's not going to like what you have to say or not going to like what you have to do, or you're going to get judged by it. And nobody likes to get judged, generally speaking. So, you know, these all are kind of negative influencers in the workplace. And one of the saviors to this concept is this thing called psychological safety, which is the creation of an environment like Ray Dalio talks about in principles, where you can say what needs to be said without fear of judgment. That's right. And there's actually another book I just finished last week called Braving the Wilderness. And the subtitle is The Quest for True Belonging and the Courage to Stand Alone. This is by Brene Brown, who is, I guess, a famous TED Talk speaker. I have not yet seen her TED Talk about vulnerability. But in this book, she talks about the idea of true belonging as this practice of believing in and belonging to yourself so deeply that you can share your most authentic self with the world. Uh, she goes on to say that true belonging doesn't require you to change who you are. It just requires you to be who you are. And I think about that in the context of the workplace and how sometimes there's a feeling that you need to suppress the parts of who you really are because of the culture or because of the relationship with your boss and beliefs that others have and your need as an employee to, in a sense, fit in and belong at that workplace because you have a mortgage to pay and you like the job and you like some of the people you work with. So in areas where you disagree, you may decide that it's not worth a, a fight to to stand up and say something about it. Well, I have heard that from 
friends and colleagues who work at places and when asked by a friend like me would say, oh, I hate it there, but you know, I've got two kids that are going to be going to college in a couple of years or the pay is really great. And so I just survive, right? But in reality, they are experiencing what a lot of people experience in the workplace, which are two faces. So there's the face of who you are and the face of who you present at work. And oftentimes those are not the same face. That's true. And, and that's not an easy situation to live with for the long term. It, it's much easier when you can be the same person and live by your principles and make your decisions by those than have to second guess based on the context and the situation. That's just a lot of extra psychological overhead, I think. Well, and this concept of psychological safety mirrors what you were describing that Brene Brown talks about, which is the ability to be who you are in the moment. So if it's at a meeting and something somebody says triggers you or you don't necessarily agree with or you need more information or you need them to repeat it, you know, whatever it might be, that the workplace environment welcomes you raising your hand saying, hey, Brian, I'm not following that point you just made. Can you restate it again? Or can I ask you a couple of questions? And yet, oftentimes people don't do that because they don't find that their workplace is psychologically safe. That's right. Uh, I think all of us at some point in our work experience have had a situation where somebody at a very senior level in the company, perhaps an owner or, or an executive, has everybody in a, has a group in a meeting and asks for some candid feedback. And they've never done this in the five years that you've known them. And suddenly their expectation is that by just simply asking the question that they're going to actually receive candid feedback. But if they haven't done the hard work of establishing that kind of a culture and the psychological safety, like you say, they're often disappointed. Nobody is going to go put their neck out and speak up. No, nobody is going to trust, I think, in a number of ways, the direction that that person might be going. A lot of folks have said that one of the key behaviors a leader needs to do in order to build psychological safety is to behave that way, right? So for them to share information that might be you know, confidential or you know, require a, a level of trust that's different than what you've expected before. But for them to behave in that way so that you will start behaving in that way yourself versus them just asking others to do it without them doing it themselves, if that makes sense. That's absolutely right. I think there's a, it reminds me of that story that's told often of the leader in a battlefield situation who is standing aside while his troops go in and eat meals before he does. And that's actually being out there in the real world, demonstrating through behavior, not just saying that, hey, I'm actually the boss and I believe in you guys and I will do this for you. It's actually demonstrating to them through action. I love that example because that's a perfect example. So Brian, many of our guests on our podcast have shared a story that they have experienced where they were required to demonstrate bravery. And I'm wondering if you have a story to share with our listeners. I do. I took a new job uh, about five months after my first daughter was born. And that job required me to move to Massachusetts. Within three months after starting the job, I was at a conference in Las Vegas with my new boss. This was a enterprise software conference. And my boss was speaking at one of the sessions along with our system integrator. So we were at the conference, we had a good workshop and event, 
and afterwards everybody went out for drinks and my boss decided that he wanted to get some cigars i think as a celebration so he turned to me and asked me to go to buy the cigars and then to expense them and cigars at a uh conference are not cheap that's right. <laughs> that's conference in vegas are not cheap that's right 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 and i knew instinctively that this somehow wasn't right i think i may have even asked him why why should i do that i don't recall the exact details but the fact is that most companies do in fact have an expense policy that requires that the senior person at any event is required to pay and that kind of policy exists for this very reason to prevent a person at a company from flouting the expense policy by basically buying something that would not normally be approved through an underling and then approving that underling's expense. I would agree. So I was pretty upset about this, but as I said, I had just, uh, my wife and I just had our first child. We had just moved to the state and I just started this job. So there were a lot of factors at play. I didn't know what to do with this information. It also turned out that my boss lied about his title in the presentation that he gave. He claimed a title that he actually did not have at the company. So I agonized about this for a while. I also was worried because my boss had a good relationship with the CFO. They often went to lunch together in a group of people that met daily. And I just didn't know as I talked about before with these informal power structures, I didn't know what I was actually running up against both the informal power structure that I didn't yet know and the formal power structure of this being my boss and me being in a new company. There were other bad behaviors that happened over the coming months. And it finally pushed me to a point where I decided that I needed to say something. I needed to speak up. Uh, fortunately, I did have a very strong relationship with the person who ran HR and uh, also with the HR person's best friend. So this is coming back again at looking at the some of the informal structures mm -hmm. and uh, my ability to, to navigate it in a way that benefited me. And from talking to the HR's best friend, she convinced me that it, this is something that I needed to, to say and that it would all end up okay. So so I did. I, I spoke to her. Uh, that triggered uh, some conversations directly with my boss, between my boss and his boss. And then ultimately, they ended up letting him go. Wow. It had, had real consequences. Uh, there was a lot, I felt at the time, there was a lot at risk for me. And I felt good about speaking up, although it was difficult and I was scared for sure. Well, a lot of what you just talked about mirrors some of your comments earlier regarding the you know kind of power structure and relationships and judgment right these are all things that can influence our behavior that's right and you know it sounds as though even though today so we're going back a number of years that it sounds like a you know kind of smaller activity or transaction i'm sure at the time as you were experiencing it this was big for you right i mean you said you you know stressed and thought about it a lot during you know the days that it was unfolding. Absolutely. Buying a house, having a child, those are two of life's real big events, buying a house for the first time. And then changing jobs is also up there in the top five, I'd say. So I had three out of the three out of the five. <laughs> 
and and then it, suddenly I was faced with this really what felt like a, a moral and ethical dilemma. It didn't feel right to just let this behavior continue on, but at the same time, I was so worried about putting everything that I had going with my family at risk that I deliberated on it for for quite a while. And mm-hmm. uh, it also showed me that the power of these informal networks can can really work both ways. So upon reflection today, Brian, as you think back, do you feel you made the right call and decision in doing what you did? Absolutely. Yeah. And so that's what most people feel and experience that in the moment they question it or worry about it or stress about it, lose sleep about it, et cetera. But years later, as they look back, if in fact they did say what needed to be said or did what needed to be done, they believe absolutely that it was the right call. Yes, absolutely. Fantastic. Well, Brian, listen, thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing with us your observations about bravery, as well as your bravery story. If there are any listeners that would like to reach out to you and talk a little bit more about your work or your story, is there a way that folks can get in touch with you? The best way would be to search for my LinkedIn profile. I think that it's the custom LinkedIn URL, Brian Madden, Boston. Yeah, when our podcast gets posted as well on the BeBraveAtWork.com website, there'll be links to your profile there as well. Great. Terrific. Well, thanks again, Brian. It was really great speaking with you. Thank you, Ed. I enjoyed this very much. Great, great. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us this week. And we hope you join us next week as we further explore being brave at work. We also welcome you to subscribe to our podcast at BeBraveAtWork.com and our download and listen to our podcast on Pandora, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple, Overcast, CastBox. We are everywhere. Be on the lookout as well for my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, which is being published in September of 2020. Do you have something to say, yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do, yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.